When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Bob Gruen, rock and roll photographer from New York, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Media. We are available all over the place, uh, 40 podcast platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, what else, Podbay, uh, the mothership itself, um, but yes, uh, all over the place, easy to find, just Google me, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, you should uh, find somewhere to take a listen to this. Okay, so... Uh, This is episode number 50. Wow, can you believe it? Episode 50. And uh, this is a bit of an enigmatic title for you, but this is called, uh, we're going to call this White Album Contrivances. Now, what do we mean by that? Um, Basically, this came from, uh, you know, something that I had noticed about a few albums uh, that I was into. Uh, We we got into kind of a big uh, discussion in in our media um, email group today, and wh- what did it start with? It started with uh, uh, Wishbone Ash, his Wishbone Ash metal, and we were talking about Argus and stuff like that, and then it went over to Queen, and we were talking, you know, I mentioned that Jazz was my favorite Queen album, and that got everybody up in arms, and then you know, we started talking about Innuendo, and people were talking about how great Innuendo is, and that is uh, that gives you a little bit of a clue uh, to one of the uh, records we're going to talk about here, so I won't go too much more into that, but... Um, uh, I, w- I will explain this concept uh, as we go, um, but I guess to start off with, um, of course we aren't talking about the Beatles' White Album, and I don't consider that to be an album with contrivances on it or a contrived album. It's actually my favorite Beatles album of, of all time, so it has nothing to do with that. No, these albums all have White Album covers, and uh, it's something I noticed about a couple of these tunes um, that they both came from albums with White Album covers, so I thought, hmm, how do we fill this out? Uh, so basically, I had a few in mind, but I was a little short, so I got my buddy Michael Hannon involved, and we talked about a few, and we were talking, does Angel Sinful fit into this? Uh, not really. Does uh, ACDC Flick of the Switch fit into this? And I thought, not really. I mean, I could almost, you know, as I said to him, I could almost think of one as a placeholder, possibly this record. It's a little bit of this idea. You know, we had that old episode of Jumping the Shark. Well, all of this is a little bit of Jumping the Shark as well, uh, as you'll notice as we go along. But, you know, is there anything contrived about Flick of the Switch? I didn't really think so. It might be it might be like we're trying to be heavy for heavy's sake a little bit, and that gives you another clue of what we're gonna be talking about here. But then I thought, I love Flick of the Switch too much. I can't do that. I can't do this to Flick of the Switch and put them in here because this is a bit of a negative episode. Um 
So anyways, um, yeah, we talked a little bit, a bit about Lucifer's Friend, um, you know, having that super heavy song. But no, that definitely didn't fit what we were talking about. So, so yeah, so we are going to be talking about um, kind of, it, it's a little bit this idea, all of these uh, fit into um, a, a specific kind of contrivance. So it is a bit of a jumping in the shark, but it's a little bit of, um, we're trying to be a little bit heavy for heavy's sake because it's kind of expected from us. But we are going to be slaying some sacred cows here because the idea here is a little bit of the idea that, you know, if you're coming from, you know, an angry young metalhead um, standpoint, you kind of were asking your bands to do this. You were asking your bands to be a little bit heavier. Come on, give us some metal again kind of thing. And uh, and when they brought it to us, there were certain examples where it didn't quite satisfy you. And a couple of examples I always bring up is uh, is the Iggy Pop album, Instinct. You know, it was Iggy going back to being heavy and straightforward. But then when he did it, you went, Ah, you didn't really write that great song. So I'm not that happy, even though you did what I was, you know, asking for. Thank you very much. Budgie Power Supply feels a little, little bit like this as well. You were glad it was a super heavy album. Cool songs like Secrets in Your Head or whatever. But, um, you know, Forearm Smash. But soon as they did that, you were kind of pining for the old, progressive, complicated, weird budgie uh, as soon as you heard Power Supply. So there's a little bit of that uh, coming from this. So so yeah, so that kind of gets into a little bit of what you're, uh, what you're going to get from this episode. It gives you a few clues. So why don't we jump into our first one here and we shall discuss a little bit further. Take a listen to this. This is Deep Purple with Love Child. Alright, so Deep Purple, Come Taste the Band. It comes out October 10th, 1975. The idea here is they're coming off of Burn, they're coming off of Stormbringer, um, you know, things are things are getting a little funky, a little bluesy, Richie takes off for Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, they get Tommy Bolin in, and they put out this record, Come Taste the Band, our, our first White Album cover here, we are calling this White Album Contrivances, right? Um, but this album seems to be a little bit, uh, overall, a little heavy for heavy's sake. It's almost like Tommy Boland comes in. He's got big shoes to fill, obviously, Richie Blackmore. Um, and this isn't really who Tommy Boland is. And what you hear on Love Child, I wanted to pick this song in particular, that it does sound a little bit heavy for heavy's sake. It's a little bit, can you write us a riff like Richie Blackmore would do kind of thing. Um, you know, this is a little controversial. Um, it isn't the first album that came to mind for this episode. There's other ones that have been with me forever. Um, this is one I kind of had to think about to, to kind of wedge into here, but I always have had this nagging feeling about the Come Taste the Band album, um, that it is indeed um, 
it's heavier than the previous two albums, but is it uh, is it uh, feeling like these are songs that needed to be written? Um, it, there is this kind of uniform, pretty much heaviness across it. So you are getting, you know, the band is delivering what the fans have complained about on Stormbringer, that the record wasn't heavy enough and not, not enough power chords on it. And this record essentially uh, gives you that. And Love Child is probably the heaviest song on it. The rest of the songs sound like Proto-Whitesnake. I mean, it's really, you're on your way to David Coverdale taking this away and, and becoming the, the White Snake concept. I would say this album sounds a little bit past his couple of solo albums and into the early White Snake, the White Snake of of Love Hunter and Trouble and uh, and Snake Bite and and that sort of sound. So there you go. I mean, do you consider this record at all a contrivance? Let us know on the Facebook page. Um, was it heavy for heavy's sake? Was it heavy as you were asking for, but then you were uh, you were a little bit uh, you know disappointed that it doesn't deliver the personality or the excitement of New Direction that you got out of Burn and Stormbringer? I feel it's a little bit that way. It's a it's a record that um, you know all uh, you know Deep Purple fans essentially um, more or less all like quite a bit, but they didn't love it right? That's kind of the way I would put it. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, they go out on tour and there's all kinds of drugs and heroin problems and cocaine and they and they don't really turn in amazing shows. And the band basically crashes in flames. Glenn Hughes and uh, and Tommy Bolin are essentially the toxic twins of this band. Um, and, and it does really kind of crash in flames a little bit fast. But yeah, perhaps Clue, you know, the Clue as to why this might feel a little bit of a contrived album is this doesn't really feel like uh, where Tommy Bolin is coming from in his life to turn in a White Snake slash Deep Purple album. So that might be part of the problem. All right, moving on to our num- number two one uh, in our White Album Contrivances, albums with a white album cover that have something contrived about them um this is uh take a listen this is led zeppelin with achilles last stand All right, so this album comes out uh, March 31st, 1976. Again, this is where I get in a lot of trouble. I often have to argue about this, but uh, Achilles' Last Stand is essentially Led Zeppelin trying to force write a heavy metal song. That's what I've always felt about this. I, I like uh, I like the album generally. Um, it's a little bit casual, a little bit garagey, uh, but For Your Life, Royal, Royal Orleans, uh, Nobody's Fault But Mine is a cool funky heavy one on here. Uh, Candy Store Rock, Hots For Nowhere, um, T For One. I mean, basically across all this, you get kind of this new Jimmy Page direction that you're going to hear a little bit of. It's kind of a convoluted mathematical, but still bluesiness and earthiness that you're going to get on in through the outdoor. You're going to hear it on Outrider. You're going to hear it on the two firm albums. Um, 
not so much uh, moving into the likes of uh, you know Coverdale Coverdale Page or um, or uh, walking into Clarksdale, but but essentially I I feel this is the first of a suite of albums that that uh, takes you into the two firm and the outrider definitely. Um, but what I don't like about this song, I mean, and this is a song Led Zeppelin fans love. Um, you know, it's a ten minute epic. Um, it's it's uh, got that Egypto Middle Eastern feel. Um, but what I feel is that there is a bit of a contrivance here. They're, they're kind of trying to force a heavy metal song out of themselves. They're probably short on material. Um, you know, a little bit of gas came out of the tank. I mean, essentially, I think Physical Graffiti is a, is an absolute masterpiece start to finish. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this record is, uh, you know, it's going to pale in comparison, i.e. number one. It's, it's just a single album versus a double album. You know, that's one of the problems. Um so you know it's it's always going to fall down um but no i just i just feel like they're trying to be spooky heavy metal right they're trying to be they're trying to write this this big 10 minute epic it doesn't feel like a song that has to be 10 minutes long there's that there's that military part that kind of goes on for too long later on in the song and it just feels like oh you know let's uh let's pick a legend from the past and let's write about it it's a little bit of that iron maiden thing right um this this is this is the proto formula that basically Steve and Bruce are going to do a lot of uh, across Iron Maiden and here it is Led Zeppelin doing it okay there you go um uh, I probably made some enemies there but yeah it's uh I I don't want to hear Led Zeppelin force writing a heavy metal song and that's kind of what I feel Achilles last stand was I've always felt that uh let's take a short break we'll be right back all right, here we are back again, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode number 50. Wow. Uh, and this one's called White Album Contrivances. Uh, let's go to our next White Album, and we shall discuss. Uh, this is uh, from Aerosmith Draw the Line, issued December of 77. This is a little something called Kings and Queens. Nightmares burning, dreams of swords of hand. Sailing ships, the Vikings. Okay, so again, I've always felt this about this song. I, it just feels out of place in the Aerosmith catalog. It's it's Aerosmith force writing a heavy song. They are running on fumes at this point. This is the famous album where they're holed up at uh, uh, what's that place called Bearsville. Uh, you know this this you know there's there's guns there's there's being up in the turret doing drugs only coming down to work when you have to all this kind of thing. It's a crazy crazy story the making of this album. They're coming off of uh, you know what is pretty unarguably considered their greatest album Rocks from 1976. Uh, they're having like I say they're having all sorts of troubles um having a hard time making a record uh, there's there's a there's a lot of uh drugs and fatigue going around and they turn in this song it's kind of like an epic it's them you know there's sailing ships and there's vikings and you don't think about that at all when you think of aerosmith you don't think of kings and queens you don't think of them writing a rainbow song well here they are writing a rainbow song um it's got the mellow part to it. It's not bluesy at all, so it's them trying to write in this sort of like British zone. Um, and and what you hear from this sample is a little bit of uh, of you know. Um 
that uh, Diablos in Musica uh, of the of the riff when it picks up, and again that isn't that is out of character for Aerosmith. It's not the kind of thing they do. Um, you know, you get a little bit of that with the very heaviest songs of theirs, like Round and Round or Nobody's uh, Nobody's Fault or whatever. Um, but yes, here is another White Album cover with a song that feels contrived. It feels out of out of place. Bright Light Fright doesn't feel like that. I think this has the greatest song of all mankind ever written on it, Draw the Line. I just, I've said that before in radio interviews and whatnot. I just think that's just the most gorgeously put together song you will ever hear. And that's why Draw the Line is such a great album for me. It's so dominated by that one song. But the rest of the songs all kind of hang together and there's a there's kind of a neat feel to them. But this one feels force written, Kings and Queens. So there you go. Um, that's Aerosmith, Kings and Queens. Let's move on. Um, let's move into the 80s. And uh, and a whole nother sort of train of thought, a whole nother world. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Saxon with Heavy Metal Thunder. All right, so this is one um, that was uh, brought up when I when I talked about my good friend Michael Hannon uh, from American Dog and Salty Dog and all that. Um, you know, one of the kings of the bass bass guitar of uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, so he brought up um, Saxon, uh, Strong Arm of the Law. Now, you know, most of us uh, in America, Canada. Um, this was issued with a black album cover, so it's not a white album. But the original, the original Gatefold from England is a white album cover. And I have Saxon on the brain recently, uh, right now, because I just put out a Saxon book called uh, Denim and Leather, Saxon's First Ten Years, available at my website, martinpopoff.com, but it's brand new. Um, but uh, but basically, I remember a story from that. I mean, essentially, um, they thought they would do a white album cover, um, so it kind of stood out in the racks is something different they kind of realized it wasn't a great idea um because it didn't look very heavy metal so when it did come out in america they put a black album cover on it um but anyways um so what you're hearing here with this song heavy metal thunder um you know i feel like heavy metal thunder first song on the album first song on side two again feels like it jumps the shark a little bit it's called Twenty Thousand feet they're both fast they both sound similar to each other to me these two songs feel a little force written the band is tired um they they are putting out albums really quickly this is their second album in 1980 after wheels of steel so wheels of steel feels to me like an album that is struggling to get out of them or it needs to be written but this album feels like oh my god we got to put together a bunch of songs let's get a bunch of songs together there's only four songs on each side it's a little bit short and i feel these two heavy songs are them jumping the shark a little bit kind of writing oh a song called heavy metal thunder let's let's oh boy doesn't that sound like what everybody expects from saxon let's do that um so it's this it's this fast song it's like oh we need we need another motorcycle man kind of thing uh or another stallions of the highway um and you know i i feel that um i'm not crazy about the chord sequences in these 
and uh, that quickly reminds me right away of another album where I was a little uh, disappointed with the the fast songs in particular on it, and that's um, Judas Priest, British Steel with the likes of Rapid Fire and Steeler. I don't feel those are two of their best written fast songs, and I kind of feel that a little bit, a little bit of that uh, malaise, that disappointment with Heavy Metal Thunder and uh, 20,000 Feet. And of course, it's from an album with a white album cover. So I guess the message here is if you make an album with a white album cover, be careful what you put on it. Don't force write heavy metal songs or Martin's going to talk about it one day. All right. So we're up to our last one uh, in History in Five Songs, White Album Contrivances. We leap forward another 11 years. Take a listen to this. This is Queen with Innuendo. All right, so this is kind of what got this whole episode going, and this is what's going to get me in trouble with this weird, weird episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Queen Innuendo, an interesting song. What I don't like about some of this, some of this contrivance idea, um, and I guess Queen Innuendo feels to me a little bit like Achilles' last stand, um, uh, and a little bit Kings and Queens. But let's really, let's really pick on Achilles' last stand and Innuendo here. I think these two songs are a little bit overrated. And they are pro- they're probably the centerpieces of the album. Certainly Innuendo is the centerpiece of this album, although The Show Must Go On is, is another big, big song from this. But I have a problem with the Queen Innuendo album a little bit in that people, I think, tend to overrate the album because the first thing that comes to mind when they think of the album is the title track, and they, and they kind of forget a bunch of the other songs uh, on this album. Now, let's look at the song in particular, first of all, a little bit. So this is them writing in a kind of a heavy mode again. They're they're kind of writing a Led Zeppelin-esque song. They knew it was a Led Zeppelin-esque song. I think it's beneath Queen to write in a, Le- in a Led Zeppelin-esque mode. I think Queen, what they did in the 70s is way more impressive than even what Led Zeppelin did in the 70s. And everything Led Zeppelin did was in the 70s. That's all they did, uh, you know, with a, with a little bit into late 69, of course. Uh, actually, two records late 69 uh, or, or 1969. 69 in general but um but no i think queen's run of what they did in the 70s can only be matched by judas priest's run in the 70s in terms of sheer unarguable genius um so they uh they are they are basically uh you know rock royalty to me they're godly to me almost because of what they did in the 70s so the good thing about the Innuendo album is um, it has really good, heavy, beefy production, uh, which is kind of lacking from the 80s albums. But again, you know, they're, they're trying to write a little bit heavier again. Um, you know, The Miracle is a little bit of disaster of a disaster in the Queen catalog. People do not like that album pretty much across the board. So you do get the Hitman on here. You get Headlong. You get uh, Innuendo. And you get uh, The Show Must Go On. Um, and Innuendo, I mean, true it does try harder it's a little bit proggy it's zeppelin-esque which is something they've never really done it's it's long it's uh it's pretty cool that it's the first song on the album it's six minutes 31 seconds long um so it does stand out and it is a really cool song but i mean 
Headlong, I don't think, is a good heavy song. This is one of my big problems with Brian May in the 80s. Unfortunately, I feel he goes to this kind of rootsy pedestrian world instead of the, the cool, meticulous weirdness and, and the mad scientist creativity that you get out of his 80s or, or his 70s heavy songs. Um, so I really don't have a lot of truck for uh, Headlong, and I don't think the Hitman is very good either. Um, musically, it's pretty good. Lyrically, I don't think it's very good. But you know, Ride the Wild Wind and All God's People and uh, I Can't Live With You, at least the verses I don't like. I'm, I I do like the chorus. I think it's a very hooky chorus. Delilah, I don't think is that great. Bijou, I don't think is that great. So I, I just, it, it annoys me. I think I think the Innuendo album, as good as it is and as, and as big as it's, uh, you know, it's an uptick from the miracle and uh, um, kind of magic, you know, which are which are pretty down records. Uh, the works people aren't huge fans of the works. With you know, Radio Gaga got everybody up in arms. Uh, so I think Innuendo is a little bit overrated because of the song Innuendo. And so I feel I feel that this song it is a little bit forced writing, uh, which is kind of the theme of all these. And of course, it has a white album cover, so it is the other uh, theme of this episode. You know, so putting all this stuff together, obviously, it's a bit of a stretch. But I hope it's been an, an interesting uh, episode for you. Um, but yeah, that's it. That is our last one uh, here on um, uh, episode fifty: white album contrivances. Uh, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. I hope you agree with some of this. I mean, some of this maybe you disagree with, but I, I feel I feel we've kind of made made the point, and and it's been it's been a nicely varied point across all these records with with white album covers. There you go. So. Um, yeah, um, comment, uh, go over to our History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff Facebook page or my regular page or my public person page, or you can email me directly at martinp at inforamp.net. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Uh, again, the most recent recent books are the Blue Oyster Cult Visual Biography. We're working on another one of those, uh, which I'm going to keep secret at this point. Um, but yes, there's the uh, Anthem Rush in the 70s. I've got a big supply of that. This is my last supply, actually, of 100 that I'm going to be signing and, and shipping out looks like. Um, and of course, as mentioned earlier, um, there is the brand new Saxon book, still got copies of those uh, called Denim and Leather, uh, Saxon's First 10 Years. Yeah, that's what it's called, something like that. Um, uh, actually, just a not nice review came out from uh, from Josh Wood, a uh, buddy of mine who lives in Calgary. He just put out a nice review of it that we just put up on the Facebook. Um, but yeah, that's available at martinpopoff.com. I am signing and sending them out. PayPal buttons for everything. Uh, there you go. Look at that. This has actually been a slightly uh, shorter uh, episode. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was a cool thing because um, there were a few of these that I noticed. <laughs> it did have white album covers, and I felt the same way about them. The two throughout time that I felt this about um, were Achilles' Last Stand and Kings and Queens. And then Innuendo, essentially, this morning hit me like a lightning bolt that I felt fit right in this, and I thought, man, we have an episode here. So, yeah, bit of a weird one, but there you go. Thanks again for listening. We shall sign off here. Um, Go, uh, go play these varied albums and uh, let me know what you think. We'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. 
We are on Instagram at R&R Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 